Everybody, this is the sixth and final episode of the second series of the Ted Baker weekly podcast series, Conversations in Culture. It has been amazing. This week's conversation will focus on the topic of the power of inclusivity in spaces with the amazing creator of Taller Than Your Average, Irene TTYA. A reminder that all thoughts and opinions are of those who are speaking and not necessarily reflecting Ted Baker. Microphone check one, two. I'm in the building. <laughs> she's in the building. Yes, she's in the building. Welcome. Thank Irene. you. Thank you so much for having me. I heard this is you guys' last one. It so, is. you said the best till last. No, I'm joking. We, we really did. We really did. <laughs> Listen, I have been reading so much about you and your journey today. It's been, and what a crazy journey it's been. Uh, it's been a mazza. Yeah. With the last year of COVID and everything added on top, it's been mad. But, you know, we're here, we're surviving, we're thriving. So, I'm excited to get into everything with you. Let's do it. So, Irene, we're going to do a little thing. We always do a little thing before we start. Before we get into the questions, we do a quick fire round of questions where I put people on their toes. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. So we do this thing where we, we call it back to school and we essentially throw some questions your way as if you were back at school and see what you'd pick. So we've got two questions here. So it works like this. I'll say two subjects and I'll say or and then I'll say another two subjects and you'd have to pick what side you'd pick. So all right, biology and French or theology and chemistry and why? Oh, I'll bounce both. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> Do you know what? Saying that you have got a science. No. Did you say you're bunking? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Do you know what? To be honest, you've put a science in both of those categories. I'll probably have to go for the second one because... I was a Spanish girl, not a French girl. So, um, but I do have a science, I've got a forensic science degree. So I do love science. So I would probably go with the latter of the two only because I preferred Spanish over French. Okay, that makes sense. So we've got theology and chemistry for your first two. All right. And then you've got, okay, you've got the 15 minute break, which was never long enough to actually catch up with your friends. And you've got another two subjects. So now you have to pick between drama and English lit or music and English language? Um, definitely, was it drama and English lit? Yep, drama and English lit. I'm going to be honest with you, the school that I went to, we were quite unfocused. I can't lie to you. So. <laughs> it makes it listen I'm being, to I'm being honest and you told me <laughs> to take it back to when I was in school and I had more friends in those classes than I did in the other. So that's probably what I would have picked. <laughs> All right, perfect. We're at lunch now. You've had, you know, whatever they've got on in the canteen, which is never, ever any good. Um, and you've got your final two subjects to pick from. Would you pick psychology and food tech or sociology and criminology? Bro, I don't know what schools these are that you're referencing, but we never had these subjects at secondary school. <laughs> <laughs> Give me my options again. Give me my options again. Oh, man. You've got psychology and food tech. So home economics or sociology and criminology? Uh, definitely the food tech one. We did have food tech. And I remember I cooked jollof rice in food tech at school. So, yeah. No way. What did your teacher say? Uh, everybody loved it. The teacher had no choice, to be honest. And my mum even came in to like drop <laughs> off the ingredients and stuff. So, yeah, definitely the food tech. 
choice. Wow, you seasoned, you seasoned. Uh, Babe, we gave them the all-purpose seasoning. The all-purpose. <laughs> Yo, thank you, Irene. So everybody, this is Irene. Irene, I'm going to give you a, an introduction to this room. So for all of you that do not know, Irene is a global tastemaker and the ultimate connector at the heart of cultural relevancy for brands and talent alike. Well-respected across fashion, music, and culture, Irene adds an enormous flair to a number of brands across multiple industries. Founder of TTYA, a London label, and she's curated events for people like Halle Berry, SZA, and <laughs> Erica Badu. I mean, How? What is going like? <laughs> what is this? How, how? How did you wake up? Did you, you left school. You left food tech and said, "I just want to be a tastemaker and just do do boring stuff and be in fashion." Is that what you said? Clearly, no. I left school and college. Well, I should say I left college and basically, like most kids, where I came from, you had to work for anything that you wanted. Nice, you know. So, throughout my whole kind of um, college education, I always had a part time job. I was lucky enough to have a job at Selfridges um, that ended up working at Selfridges for about four and a half years. And I basically worked my way up. I started on the shop floor um, and I got to connect with so many amazing people. I started doing a little bit of visual merchandising and then that kind of gave me the flair to wanting to go into styling. So outside, out of Selfridges, I started just styling a couple of the artists that people know now, like Skepta, Wretch, um, a lot of the uh, uh, quote unquote urban artists and you know, it's so interesting how things have kind of come along because obviously back then, you know, loads of the kind of high fashion brands um, didn't really want to loan to a lot of those artists. And obviously now like black culture is popular culture. It's kind of at the fore. You see all of our artists like front row now. So, you know, everything's kind of come a long way and it's been great to kind of have a kind of 360 perspective in the industry. But yeah, everything kind of started from that hub of Selfridges and growing within that and getting into styling. And that was kind of like my sub introduction into music. Okay, so there was, the, and there was always a love for music and fashion, irrespective of anything. Were those two things that always kind of sat within you? Yeah, a hundred percent. Because simultaneously to that, I worked the door at a really popular um, club night that happened once a week. It was called Yo Yo. It used to be Notting Hill Arts Club. I don't know if anybody in this room had ever come, um, but yeah, I done the door for them for a vet for many, many, many years. We had resident DJs, everyone from Mark Ronson, and basically it was by a guy called Seb Chu and Leo Greenslade and Seb at the time was at Polydor Records so, so what we would do is have new artists up and coming artists is, was basically their first performance would usually be at Yo-Yo so we had everyone from Tiny Temper to Rita Ora and throughout that whole kind of nightlife scene that's I think where my first interaction of how culture all merged together so fashion, music, art, lifestyle and it was kind of pioneering in its time because it was one of the only clubs in West at that time where you can go where you could go and you could come as you are you know and because most times I don't know if any I don't know how old most people are but um those days most West End clubs it was like hard sole shoes mixed groups you know you had to have tables to get in so like Yo-Yo was kind of like a free-spirited come as you are if you want to come in your Air Maxes if you want to come naked it was your business you know but 
the whole essence of it, it was like, it was curated for people who worked in the creative industries and it was just such an amazing night and it stuck with me and, you know, like I built the base of my network off that club night, you know, so that was kind of my first initial inter, inter, integration into like how fashion, music, arts and culture all intertwine with each other. That is crazy. So do you know that, you know that whole thing, that whole scene was legendary, right? You know it was all... <laughs> <laughs> It's still well, spoken heard. about today. Like, I, I took you to know, I took you to know that <laughs> no, um, it's funny you mentioned the days of it being like oh you know not tonight lads yeah shoes only oh what are those no 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 hats all the rest of that and you look at what it's like now you know you guys were clearly ahead of your time and I think in terms of being tastemakers and being at the cutting edge of what's going on it was nights like that that allow people to explore clothing and explore brands and explore you know what works and what doesn't because traditional nightclubs weren't you had to go in your you know almost almost post office attire at certain points shoes trousers no no caps boys no caps um i remember um studio of Albon being super strict um on what you could and couldn't wear to get in and uh, having a bunch of friends turned away but i like where this is going so i want to ask you a question um taking it back to ted baker do you remember your first interaction with the brand ted baker do you know it's so crazy i do you know because i remember you know when you're in school and everything going Oxford Circus was like you were going to Buckingham Palace or something like so I remember being young and we used to, those those times you'd get on a bus everywhere so you go Croydon Bromley well I lived in I live in South London I lived in Brixton South London that's where I'm born and raised um so for us it was like Croydon Bromley Oxford Circus you know and those journeys felt like yeah literally like you were going to Buckingham Palace and everything seemed so new and shiny and big when you were like you know young teenagers just <laughs> parading up and down and I think my first interaction with that was like I said was coming to Oxford Street and seeing all these stores and stores like Ted Baker where you were like Rala okay where do I fit in here, you know? And, but also there's so much opportunity. There's so much choice. It's Oxford, it's Oxford Street, you know, when you're in your teenage years, you know, I, and it's so funny because today was the first time that I've been on Oxford Street since lockdown. And it was just actually quite sad to see like how many stores had closed down and like, but how much as an adult now, like you're just so used to it. But I just remember back in the day, like going there and it was like, it was like you'd hit a gold mine just going to Oxford Street and finding new stores like Ted Baker and like, you know, prancing up and down with your friends and like spending literally all day at Oxford Street and not buying anything though, just literally window shopping. No, I feel you. And I do want to say, Oxford Circus, for me, same energy. We just run up and down, group of friends, not have enough money, end up in, you know, <laughs> all sorts of stores, not spend a penny. It was a lot of window shopping, but um, good fun. Really good fun. All right. Another, another few questions for you. And we're going to get some people from the audience up on stage as well. So during this last year, right, what's helped you stay creative and kept you inspired? It's been a weird, weird year for everybody. Um, but what's kind of helped you stay on track and, and continue because and talk a little bit about your brand as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm the founder of CTY London. Um, it's a lifestyle brand which originally started off with clothing. Um, similar to you, I'm super tall. Um, I'm five foot 11. I've got really long arms, really long legs. And I just felt like I wasn't really included in that whole fashion narrative at the time. Um, I worked behind the scenes a lot in fashion. And obviously I see how much things were retouched and edited. 
and uh, and I travelled a lot at the sim- simultaneously. And I just remember thinking, um, I'd always kind of found my snag because I'm a tomboy at heart. So everything was like, you know, like 90s, Aaliyah, like oversized T-shirts, baggy jeans. So you can kind of get away with, with wearing men's clothing. But sometimes I found it, sh- I struggled like when I was going on work trips to just have like your basic jersey wardrobe. Um, and that's basically what I curated with TTYA. And um it's been my baby for, 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 for quite some time now. My first stockist was Selfridges, Lowell's, the first store that I worked in. Um, and then I went on to be stocked in Barney's in New York. And then I went on to be stocked on ASOS. And the great thing about ASOS is that it basically became like a, a global distribution for me. And I had girls in Australia, um, mum messaging. I remember, I always remember this email. It was a girl's mum who emailed me and was like, my daughter's never had a prom dress that fit her until you started your brand and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for allowing my daughter to feel so beautiful at her prom night and so I think for me it was so important with TTYA to be able to just basically the ethos of the brand is an inclusive space for the excluded girl and you know from then it's kind of led on to like live events so we have TTYA talks um, and I started that in collaboration with Soho House and it was just a safe space where you know women in the creative industry could just ask the questions that you really wanted to know like sis how much should I be invoicing for that you know like just real talk with real people and it had kind of like not kind of what it did have pioneering women who I felt at the time were really making moves in the industry and you know it could really give you great insight so we had everyone from FKA Twigs come in and talk about the, the business of music to Vanessa Kingori MBE who's now who was the first um black female publisher for Condé Nast she was at um GQ previously and is now at British Vogue um, and, you know, we had so many fashion girls who never even knew like what a publishing role was and how you would go about applying for a role like that. So, you know, in lockdown, um, unfortunately, as everybody knew, knows, we couldn't have live events anymore. So um, it's so funny because just before lockdown hit, I'd actually recorded my first trailer of the podcast with Leomi Anderson and Neelam, Neelam Gill on the business behind fashion. Um, and at, we are all five foot 11 plus women. And we really spoke about like, you know, they spoke about a lot about, you know, race and being in the industry and just that exclusive, that excluded feel of not feeling like you ever belonged. Um, so I had recorded that pilot just before we went into lockdown and it was crazy because as lockdown hit, everybody obviously was at home. So it made scheduling the podcast with guests so much easier because I could literally just text someone and just be like, oh, can you jump on a Zoom with me for an hour real quick? And then I banged out a podcast in a week, you know, which probably would have taken a little bit longer. So that was, if there was any pros to come out of this, it was the fact of being able to lock in guests for the podcast. But, you know, going back to your question, like this last year has been so tough, obviously at the beginning of COVID, you know, so many of um, my colleagues who are self-employed, who work in the creative industries, never really knew where the next check were going to come from, you know, and there's still people that I know to this day who haven't worked in over a year and a half. So, you know, the real effects of COVID, I think, are still yet to be seen. Um, and obviously towards the beginning, we had, you know, the whole, <clears throat> the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and, you know, the whole Instagram setting on fire and the whole conversation sparking up around race um, at the beginning was quite tough because I feel like sometimes people don't really understand the trauma that can be associated with seeing one of your own like killed on the internet you know and it's almost like you're desensitized like I could actually watch that video I know there's a lot of people who couldn't but it was actually I felt quite sad about the fact that I was desensitized from seeing people dying on the internet you know and I think the, one of the great Thing, I don't know, not to say great, but I think something to want a positive um, element to come out of everything that happened around that time was um, potentially the conversations that came out 
around that, you know, and the ability for people to now who were in positions before who maybe wouldn't have listened to now have to listen. You know, people had to reevaluate their business structures. People had to reevaluate the way they marketed their brand. People had to reevaluate their influence of Rostar, you know, the people that they were engaging with, you know. And again, it was just like black culture is popular culture. So, you know, we weren't really here for the front of house anymore. We were really put applying the pressure, you know, so... I think as as much as there were many negatives to come out over the last years, I also feel there was a lot of positives. I have to agree with you. I think there have been a bunch of negatives, but people have been so resilient and figured out ways to make things work, figured out new lines of work, figured out that, you know, the job they were in that they've been let go from, they didn't actually like. And now that, you know, that <laughs> I might be one of them. <laughs> and now they've decided that they want to do something else. So positioning off the back of that question and your response there, you know, throughout your career, you've consulted for some of the biggest brands, right? And you've consulted on exclusivity. Well, how were you able to reach these brands, first of all? And what were those conversations like? Because you were having these conversations before, you know, blackness was, at, was popular and at the forefront of, you know, we have to be inclusive. Well, I think with 2TYA, it says it all, you know, like I'm not feeling included in a, in a space that is basically supposed to be marketing and sold to everybody um, was the number one kind of red flag. Um, but was the what, what was basically what created me a lane to be able to have a brand to be successful. So I think for me, it was more just like having those conversations with the brands. Even when I started TTYA, it was like, OK, I remember going into Selfridges to talk to the buyer and being like, listen, your ethos of this store is it's the one-stop shop for every type of woman. I'm telling you as a five foot eleven woman, I can't shop here. Facts, you know? And it made them have to pay it, it made them have to pay attention, you know. And I think, you know, as time has gone on and having these conversations with the, within the brands, um, it's slightly evolved, I would say, over time, originally. And like you said, yes, you know, there's been many, many times where um you are the only one in the room and you're basically trying to navigate through that. But I sometimes always think about it as a bit of a positive because I'll be honest with you, everyone always remembers who you are. Um, and I've and through the years, I've always tried to use what what growing up to me was I seemed like a negative, like I hated being tall when I was young. I always wanted to be shorter so I didn't have to like, you know, crouch down to talk to people or people like I could find clothes that fit me. And actually now it's so crazy because it's one of the things that now are my positives, are my strengths. Like if I walk into a room, people usually always remember the tall black girl. Like, you know, so it's like kind of flipped. It's, revo it's reversed in its role in being able to like be a positive for me now. Um, the one thing that the conversation has shifted, I would say re more recently is with these brands is a lot of them have been using black culture within their marketing and targeting a black audience for a very long time. And I think with the effects of the last year, the conversations now have more shifted to does your interior business structure match that of your social media posting? So, you know, if you're getting girls and you're slicking their baby hairs and you're utilizing, you're appropriating what black culture means, are you having those same internal business structures? So, you know, and that's where the conversation kind of shifted to me because, you know, shouts out to, you know, Brianna, who is an incredible lady who created the Black Square. Um, the show must be poor. She's actually on the TTYA podcast. And, you know, they started that as a way for everybody to just pause, reflect, think, you know, and understand that you know, our culture is what is making 
the most money and cash and checks but on, unfortunately there's still a little bit of a way for them to catch up internally in those business structures and you know we saw loads of brands come out and pledge their allegiance and you know kind of you know um curate funds for black organizations and black businesses which was thumbs up but i think for us we just don't want performative act- activism and i think that's the most important thing and that's what i stand by and that's what a lot of the conversations recently have been it's like okay this is great that you guys have curated this fund this is great that you know you want to support by adding more black models to your website or curating more things with black influencers black talent but what's your business structure saying though because we're not a trend so do you have, you know, people of colour sitting on the boards who make the decisions at every level within your business structure? You know, do you have an inclusive workplace? Because, you know, it's proven that, you know, having a more inclusive um, workplace equals more revenue share, you know, so and more percentage of profits because, you know, you have a wider brand of people who are employed by your company, therefore wider think process. People have gone through different experiences through their life. So all of those things make up an incredible business structure, you know, so those are kind of the, some of the conversations that we've been having more recently. And again, like I said earlier, it's like, it's, 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 I feel like brands are finally in a place where they have no choice but to listen. And yes, there's definitely still a lot more work to do, but I definitely feel that we are moving in the right direction. And that can even be seen through nightlife, you know, like, like you said, coming, Yoya was an innovator in that you could come dressed as you are, where you are, however you are. And now it's like, you can have the most incredible parties in the most craziest of venues now. And they have to, if they want those artists to be in their venues, they have to allow those people to come through. And that's where I stand with it now, you know, because there's been many Many a time where you know nightlife for a very long time was regulated by people who didn't really want you know they would use the word ghetto or ho- however they wanted to phrase it people come into their nightclub but yet would play hip-hop and r&b all night you know so you can't have our culture when it suits you and then disregard it when it doesn't so i feel like there's still quite a long way to go in that sense but i definitely feel like we're moving in the right direction yeah, I think we are making strides in the right direction. I'm going to agree with you there for sure. Um, I've been, I've not, you know, to be quite honest, I've not been turned away from too many places, but I have been turned away and it sucks. It is supremely embarrassing to line up for a club for a while. To fit the protocol, you're doing everything fine. And to get to the door and somebody go, yeah, not tonight, mate. It is so embarrassing. And you can't, you're trying to plead with... I didn't want to go into it. Mm. You end up trying to plead with yeah, somebody. It's, it's, deep. it's, it's deep. awful. It's, deep. it's the worst thing you can imagine. Like, anyway, I digress. So you already know what you did was absolutely pivotal. And I've already seen some stuff on Twitter where people are like, yo, I remember that. So <laughs> keep doing your thing. I've got one more question for you. Amazing. And then I have to get some people up from the audience to throw some questions your way. So you got to do... Lagos Fashion Week in Nigeria, am I correct? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about (laughs) it. Back to the giddy. You know the vibes. Okay, so how did it feel to showcase your collection in 2018 at Lagos Fashion Week in Nigeria? And what would you say the biggest differences are between UK and Nigerian fashion? Ooh, tough one. Um, It was amazing to start off. Um, I'm British-born Nigerian. Um, my dad actually lives in Nigeria and it's so crazy because that that show was the first time that my mum and dad have had to sit next to each other in 15 years so they're not together at the moment but that was interesting within itself but um, I think part of everything that I try to do and live and breathe is who I am and part of my heritage is being born here but 
you know, having a Nigerian heritage. So it was so crazy because loads of my best friends from London all flew to Nigeria for the first time to come to see my show um, and stayed in Nigeria for two weeks and had the best and most amazing time. Like Nigeria, in terms of nightlife, you will never ever see anything on this planet like you do in Nigeria. You will never see people spend money in a nightclub like you do in Nigeria. You will never see people have a good time out in the nighttime as you do in Nigeria. And it's so crazy because Fashion Week... Um, there for me, there was an opportunity for me to show. I'd, I'd gone the year before um, just as a guest. I was invited as a guest and I said, you know what, next year I'm going to show here because I think it's important for us to continue the conversation. If I am a direct diaspora kid, first generation of my family, what does that mean? You know, and it means that I kind of get the best of both worlds. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and say it was easy. It was tough because, again, like it's like you're born here so did they see you as a westerner and then it's like you don't really belong here so it's like where do you belong like it's almost like you you have to create your own lane and it was tough for me there I'm not gonna lie nothing was handed that they made me work for every single thing that I had to do and if anything they put me at the back because they thought that you know oh well she's from England she she has it easy you know so I had to work 10 times harder to be able to show like well like I'm I'm the same as you guys, like I'm hustling and I'm on the ground, you know, and it was amazing. I spent three, three weeks prior to the show out in Nigeria. Um, I hired an all female team. I hired an all local female team from my photographer to my assistant to production. Everybody on the ground I met in Nigeria. I did open casting call, um, in the clubs for models. I casted all my girls. I recasted my whole show because again, TTYA is about, you know, being tall and owning who you are. Um, and the model selection from the pool of models that they had for the show, hardly any of them, you know, were tall enough. So I recasted 26 models in two days from the club, found everybody in the nightclub. Um, and it was incredible. It was an amazing show. Um, I showed two years in a row. The second year, um, I had everyone from DJ Spinnell to, um, to Rema, um, um, walk the show it was the first time I collaborated with a, another Nigerian designer Tokyo James and that's the first time I did menswear and you know we had everyone from Vogue to Elle writing about it so it really cross-pollinated you know and that's everything that I'm about I did a whole fashion diary for Vogue you know I did an amazing dinner at the Nigerian embassy um, in Lagos and you know really invited some Nigerian creatives with the UK creatives and really mixed it all up you know and we had dinner with the uh, Minister of Culture over there and it was it's just all about carrying on that diaspora conversation and you know tr staying true to who I am and you know for my friends to get to experience that firsthand and you know for me to be able to now show that collection which then later on got picked up on ASOS and I was using traditional dyeing techniques in Nigeria so I went to the dyeing wells and worked with the women there in the dyeing pits who dyed all the fabric who I later ended up working with again on a Nike project they did the Nike Black History Month jersey for me um so it was just amazing to work with traditional techniques, but in modern styling. So everything with TTYA is kind of like your wardrobe essentials. And that's what I kind of stuck to with the show, but just introduced some of my traditional techniques through my heritage. And, you know, it was incredible, like I said. Um, and yeah, it got picked up by ASOS. And then I did a whole edit for ASOS, which sold out. And everyone from Serena Williams to Sierra and Beyonce actually bought it straight from the runway. She bought two pieces straight from the runway, which was amazing. So, yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah. Way. Yo, that's incredible. Yo, I'm so... <laughs> So the thing is, I get to read about this, right? And I read certain things, but it doesn't quite give me all the details that you're giving me now. I'm starting to hear everything that happened. So my qu the final question you have from me is, 
I'm trying to walk um, at Lagos Fashion Week uh, this year. So, <laughs> um, yeah, hook it up. I got you. There I we go. I got you. I got you. I got you. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get some people up on stage to throw some questions your way. Is that okay, Aaron? I'm ready. Let's do it. We're going to go, first of all, we're going to go with Jess. Oh, so you know what? I've been listening to all of this. And first of all, I just want to say you're fully inspiring. And and um, the work that you've done to make sure that we are all included is absolutely amazing. So my question is, if you had one word that was not inclusivity to underpin your ethos, what would it be? Oh, wow. That's a serious question. I would say authenticity. I've always tried to stay true to who I am, um, where I'm from. Um, sometimes not, it hasn't always worked out for me, but um, I've always, you know, tried to just be 100% who I am and what you see is what you get. So, yeah, I would say authenticity. I love that. Thank you. No worries. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. Up next, we have Sarah. Sarah, what is going on? What question do you have for Irene? Hello, hello. Um, thanks for having me up, uh, Brax and Irene. Well, lovely to meet you. And I've been like, honestly, stalking your Instagram, just listening to you speak. I'm like, wow, what a powerhouse. Oh, thank you. Oh. Thank you so much. Um, what I'm wondering is, you know, there's lots of people and there's lots of kids out there that, you know, have a, um, the desire to impact the world. My question is kind of twofold. What is it about you that got you from someone who saw something to someone who did something and my God, how you've done it. But also the second part is what would you say to someone who's got a dream or an injustice in their heart, but thinks, what can I do? Ooh, good questions. Um, I would say it's so crazy because with TTYA, I say this question all the time. I actually never wanted to be a fashion designer. Like I actually wanted to be a forensic scientist. And then, um, I actually got into third year of uni and thought there's absolutely no way that this is like CSI. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hoax. It's a lie. Um, and then the fashion route came by default, if I'm honest. Um, but you know, with TTYA, like I said, I've always just stayed, stayed true to myself. Um, it, it became out, uh, it grew out of necessity. Um, and it wasn't easy at the beginning because again, I had no fashion background. I didn't go to fashion school. Um, and, I always say it's so weird because I, I don't know how many people in here, but he's leaving the power of the universe, but I'm so keen on the universe. And like, it's so funny because all of my stockists are places that I'd worked. I'd worked as a normal employee, just making my extra money on the weekends to top up my EMA at college, you know? And um, that's how I knew what Selfridges ethos is. So my first place I targeted was Selfridges because I thought I know what this brand is about. It's Selfridges. It's like such a prestigious store. If I can get my brand in there, then I can get my brand in anywhere. And I just hounded, I, you know, utilised my, network and a lot of, and I would say this this is the biggest thing I would say is that the people that you grow up with it's so funny how they harvest and everybody ends up in different positions so all those girls that I worked with at the shop floor folding t-shirts gisting on the weekend standing on the fitting room gossiping with obviously like everybody within themselves had gone in different career paths and a lot of them had like gone up the food chain at Selfridges so now girls who had been like on the shop floor with me were maybe now buyers merchandisers were working in marketing so I was I was quite lucky that I had people to ask for advice. So I would say always look internally first, harvest your network, look around you. Is there anybody that was within your immediate circle that you could ask for advice? So initially I was like, okay, um, let me just start with my network and build it out from there. And that's how everything has happened for me so organically. 
I, uh, working in a nightlife environment gave me access to talent. So when I started TTYA, I could gift them some products and then people would wear it and get packed in it. And then it would kind of just all steamed rolled. But I would also say like, I'm not going to sit here and act like it was all rosy. I wasn't ready. Like, you know, I just gave, um, I remember I was working in a nightclub, one, w- working in a space um, and Kylie Jenny was, Jenna was staying at the space. So I just hustled one of the bellboys to put a t-shirt in her room and she wore it on Instagram. And then my website crashed, you know, because I never had the infrastructure to be able to manage it. So I would say sometimes it is like, as much as you want to get your brand out there, always think about like, okay, if this pops off, am I ready? Or just always think about the business first, the business element and think about your next steps. I was kind of just going with the punches. Oh, got selfies. Okay. Got ASOS. Okay. Like what's next? I didn't really have time to stop and breathe. And that's what's been so amazing with lockdown is if I've had time to reevaluate, I've written a whole new business plan for TTYA. I almost feel like the whole, the last six years have just almost been like my market research now and I'm ready to like go full speed ahead. So I would say to anybody, like if you have an idea and you want to test it out, go for it. There were so many people that told me what's tall fashion. Don't really think that that's a thing. What tall girls really can't find clothes. Is it really a thing? And like Joanne said before she came on, I I, I, I found my niche and I ran with it. I collaborated with a, with another brand that had been in that tall space for a very long time, but were outdated. And I gave them a whole new niece of life. You know, I managed to get their product onto Jordan Dunn, who ended up getting shot by Mario Testino. And it ended up being in American Vogue. But, you know, just you just never know. But harvest your network. Harvest, always stay in contact with the people who are around you. The people that you start from ground roots up with are the people who... This world has a funny way of them being coming back into your life and being able to add to your journey. So that's, I hope I've answered your question. I feel like I've just been blabbering a little bit a lot, Sarah. So um, I hope I was able to answer your question. Absolutely. And you just said three things that I didn't even know that I needed to hear, but it was like, bang, bang, bang. Wow. Thank you so much. That was amazing. Thank you. I have to just jump in for a second here. You did what to Kylie Jenner? How did you, and your website... That is the ultimate hustle. Can you just explain that story one more time, just in case anybody didn't hear it? Your level of hustle and tenacity (laughs) has to be commended here. Just explain what you did one more time so everybody in the room can hear. Um, So after I left Yo-Yo, I was programming a club, which was in a hotel. I won't say the name of the hotel, but it was in the basement of a hotel. And it was the first of its kind. And um, basically she was staying in the hotel. And you see with me, I'm always friends with everyone. I'm friends with um, the bellboys. I'm friends with room service. I'm friends with reception. Like, you know, ground roots up, you know? So, you know, I asked one of the, I think she had some packages that had come that the bellboys were taking to her room. And I just gave them one of my tops to add in there, you know? And she loved it. She wore it. She put it on Instagram and it just sold out, you know? And crashed my website. (laughs) Then I had to find an IT guy to fix it because I wasn't ready. But, um, just again using what was I had access to to hustle and navigate and I think that's something that comes from when you don't have nothing and when you grow up with nothing you learn how to just manage and make do with what you've got access to and you just run with it you know wow I I had to hear that story again that is incredible (laughs) I cannot believe you were brave enough to do that and it paid off like this is yeah I love it We've got somebody else in the room here, um, in my humble opinion, is a fashion influencer. And it's also part of what I'm calling the tall girl gang. Um, hey, <laughs> team tall girls in the building. <laughs> Donny J, what is going on? What question do you have for Irene? 
Oh my gosh, Abraxas, you're making me like blush. Irene, thank you so much, Abraxas, also for pulling me up. My question for you is, how do you remain so focused? Like you're telling us you've done, you're literally the hustler. Like your mentality is like proper hustle. Like I'm also um, starting up my own tool brand as well. The more the better. We need it, sis. We need it because there's some dusty stuff on the high street and there isn't really much of the UK high street at the moment sadly and I've also worked similar I've worked with ASOS and stuff like that in the past so I I feel like there's a lot of similarities but I want to hear from you how do you remain so focused and so committed to getting the end result do you know it's so funny because I think I have peaks and valleys as everybody else that I think it would be very irresponsible for me to come on here and just be like oh my god guys all the time it's amazing I have the most fun it's not like obviously there's many nights where like you know you're up super late you're you know you're you've got deadlines you're you, there's stuff that you don't understand or and, and and the thing that's kind of always got me through it is I just do what I like and it might not necessarily always align in the right time so for example um when the lockdown hit loads of factories closed so obviously production on ttya became very very difficult but as that decline podcast inclined like it, it, it was on the incline so you know then I just put pivoted my attention onto the podcast and just doing what I can do with the capacity that I had at that time and I feel like that's always what I've kind of done you know like it took me a long time to work on TTYA on the background and that's why I worked a lot in nightlife because I could do nightlife at night to obviously to pay the bills and then I could work on my business plan in the daytime for TTYA and even when it took off I was still always adding in because I still simultaneously loved working in music and curating so I guess I don't know some people say it's jack of all trades master of none but I think for me it's kind of like I do a bit of everything and a lot of the stuff that I do all intertwines intertwined on the foundation of inclusivity and whether it be in music whether it be in curation whether it be on ttya so as long as I have that kind of underlying ethos there um I'm so passionate about what I do and and I love when someone tells me no it's so funny because when they tell me oh you can't do that you're not going to be able to pull that out oh my god you've only got two weeks how are you going to do it I'm like watch me you know so I like a bit of a challenge um I'm not going to say I've succeeded every single time I think that would be very naive of me to do that but at the same time I think when you do have a mentality of there's nobody else that I can rely on I'm going to make this thing pop regardless I've got no one else to fall back on but me but I would say one of the negatives of that is sometimes you get it in your head that you have to be able to do everything yourself and I think one thing that I've learned along this journey is you need a team Um, I've got an amazing team an amazing all-women team I think some of them are in here today I think Imogen Jordan I think there's somewhere in the background but you know I work with women all the time who are not afraid to be like babe cool down or let's do this or let's think about this so I think you can't do everything on your own and I've also had to learn that you know not everyone's going to do it the way that you're going to do it but you need to also be okay with that you know that's part of the journey and that's part of learning and I think for me as much as many women I could bring into this space and amplify and you know love working with women all the time that's basically what my whole brand is about amplification but I think for me it's just continuing on pivoting on the things that I love doing and just keeping the train moving and that's kind of how I've kind of just kept going all of this time amazing thank you so much i love this we've got tall girl gang on stage i love this okay cool 
Up next, you've got Taylor. Taylor is another dope creator on this application. Taylor, what question do you have for Irene? <laughs> nice to actually meet you, darling. I've been following you on Instagram and everything like that. You're doing dope stuff. Um, Thank you. And you know what? I've got two questions. So I'll just ask the first one because I don't think that advice will let me do the second one. So the first one would be, what would you say to your 13-year-old self um, now looking back on your whole journey? I would say enjoy the journey. I think when you're when you work for yourself, you're self-employed. Um, it's funny because I have this conversation with my with my girls quite a bit. In that sometimes you don't always celebrate your wins. You're just thinking, okay, on to the next one. So even when like it's so crazy because my mum's very religious. So when I got into Selfridges, my mum came with the pastor on the shop floor in Selfridges to pray. No lie, and um, you know I I looked at her and I thought, wow, like she's proper. She's proper proud of what I'm doing. She might not be able to communicate that in the best way, but her being here with her pastor is telling me that. And it took me just all of that to like see that, like, well, like I've come a long way. Like my mum drove me to the Selfridges warehouse to drop off my first order because I was so scared that I was going to miss it and I was going to get charged. Um, but I say all of that to say, enjoy the wins, celebrate the wins, um, with, especially with your friends, celebrate your wins. Don't just, like the goalpost is always going to be constantly moving. You do this and then you think, okay, on to the next, on to the next. And I can sit here and I can be like, raw, like, wow, that's so fire that I was in Selfridges, then went on to Barney's and went on to ASOS. But at the time, I didn't even think, I thought it was nothing. I thought, oh, I need to get the next stockist. Oh, what's the next um, design that I'm going to do? What's the next event I'm going to work on? So I didn't even really get to celebrate it in its full entirety. So yeah, definitely celebrating your wins, the smaller milestones, because all the smaller steps add up to the big steps. I love that. Thank you so much. Thanks for the question, Tilia. Up next, you've got Erica. Erica, what questions do you, well, question, I should say, do you have for Irene? Hi, Erica. Hi, Irene. You're amazing. And it's been great to just sit in and listen to you. For you, uh, looking back on all of the dresses and outfits and everything that's been made, um, what has been one of the best projects for you to work on? Um, maybe like the most fulfilling. I know you said, you know, Sierra had rocked that freshness and Beyonce and then Kylie came through and blew up the whole spot. <laughs> but for you personally, what was one of the best projects? Heartwarming or just rewarding or like, wow, I've leveled up. Uh, it's so crazy because it's none of the ones that have been publicized. Like I said, probably a little bit earlier, it's the low key ones. And, and I said it a little bit earlier, it was getting emails um, and getting tagged on Instagram with girls in my clothes. That's probably the highlights for me. And like people messaging me like, yeah, like I said, that girl's mum messaged me just being like, my daughter's finally had a prom dress. She hasn't ever want. She's never wanted to go to prom. Yeah, and she had an amazing prom dress. So like just things like that, and like girls like tagging me in their clothes, or you know when I do events and like you know super tall women coming up to me and just being like, sis, thank you. Like I like I just just thank you. So I think those are the kind of moments that I live for more. Than, obviously the celebrity stuff is great for like profiling your brand and etc. But I think for me it's always about the grassroots man. Like that's that's kind of who I do everything for. Right, right. See, I had a feeling it would be like that for you as well. Because, you know, people expect it to be the big names, but it's always something low-key, close to your heart. And yeah, the prom slay is, is really special. So congratulate. And thank you for making your fashion accessible to young women. Thank so you. that we can have, you know, that's really important. A lot of these girls love fashions, but 
they can't really get to it or afford it. That was my problem when I was growing up. A little chubby and a little expensive. Mm-hmm. And, and um, <laughs> yeah, making it ex- accessible for everyone. Thank you for doing that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you, sis. Thank you so much. We keep going. We move. We move. <laughs> <laughs> that, that phrasing has so much power behind it. We move. <laughs> All right. You've got one more question, Irene. One more question. It's coming from Kaylee. And she's dope. She does like poetry. And she's just a great, lighthearted, funny person. Hi, Irene. First of all, Erica stole my question. So I will be asking <laughs> <the> second question. <laughs> that is so yeah, funny. It's fine. Teamwork. Like, so Tilio's got me. Teamwork. It's fun. Secondly, I'm just going to fangirl for a second because... You, I felt like I got th- hit with a throwback stick. Yo-yo, not in Hill. If you don't know... Listen. Oh my God, so nice. Listen. <laughs> yeah. So L-A I just... all day, listen. And wow. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, what? Bruno Mars did his... Oh, listen. Oh, anyway, I could do it all day. Amazing. Thank you so much for just being on the door if that's where you were. Uh, that's where I was. Trying to get 200 people in and picking them out from 2,000 people outside every week. It was mad. That was me. I was them people. I was in one of those annoying ones. <laughs> like, keeping you distracted while we went inside. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, so I was going to say, um, what is, what has been your highest high, but also what has been your lowest Ooh, low? I'll start with the low first and then I can end on a high. Um, I think... The lowest, one of the lowest lows for me was when I first, towards the beginning of TTYA, one of my shipments coming into ASOS got destroyed by water. It was coming over by boat and I don't know where they stocked it on the dock, something. Anyway, basically the, the shipment got ruined and the shipper never had liability because basically the factory from when they put it on the boat are no longer liable for the shipment. And it's a receiver is, which obviously is me. Um, but I just, I and so basically the product never got to ASOS because it was damaged. And I basically, the factory was still saying it needed to be paid. Um, and those are one of the earliest beginnings because this was, this happened like at the beginning of the brand. So I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? It's like thousands and thousands of pounds worth of damaged stock. Um and I did have liability insurance, but basically it was a whole back and forth on who was basically responsible for the stock at that time. Um, and luckily it all worked out uh, in my favour and, and the shipping company took responsibility for manhandling the goods. But at this, it was just a long process and it's just like it affects your cash flow because you still got to pay your supplier. Otherwise, they're not going to do any more of your other orders, you know. So um, that was a difficult one for me. And that was a business I, I learned a lot at that time. <laughs> and... Highest of the highs. I think the great thing about TTY Talks is that I get to travel with it. When we could, pre-COVID-19, um, I opened up a lot of the Soho houses everywhere in the world. And every time one new one would open, I'd get to travel and deliver a TTY Talks there. So basically the network grew internationally and it was great. So I did like I did one for with, in LA for Coachella and we did one on the business of music. So I had like Justin Skye. Yeah, we had Justin Sky's mum, who's incredible um, on the business of music. I did one. I did Ludlow House when they opened. Um, I did with Vashti. Um, so, yeah, we've, I've done Amsterdam. I've done so many. Um, and I've even done in Nigeria, which was amazing. So I think TTY Talks was great. Like just, I think it's everything, just being able to travel and connect with girls in, internationally, which obviously has been hindered a little bit by COVID. But I'm hoping as time goes on, when things start to reopen and we'll be able to do more IRL and 
yeah. So I guess just globally connecting has been probably been my highest of the high. All right, we've got one more question for you. So we've got Lindy. Lindy, what question do you have for Irene? Thank you so much for your energy. I'm loving everything you've said. My question to you is something I'm always interested in hearing. Did you have any other female business mentors who helped you or gave you a leg up along the lines um, and during your career to where you are you now. know what that's so crazy that you asked me that because that's the whole reason why I started TTYA Talks because I didn't I didn't really have um it's do you know what the, one of the great things about yo-yo is that I my network increased significantly but they were all my peers who have now all gone on to do the most amazing things now um but it there wasn't enough, it wasn't generational knowledge. So all my peers are so successful now, a lot of them are, but we never had the the, um, the layer above us almost because a lot of us were like first gen, you know, um, generation kids, um, creative. The first of our, a lot of us were going against the grain, the first of our family to be in the creative industries, you know, so we were, a lot of us were kind of finding our way and creating our own lane. And I, I came up at a time of like Sharmadine Reed, MBE, who's like, you know, was the owner of Warnells and now, you know, does Beauty Stack and Grace Adoja, MBE, who now manages Skepta. And that was our, that was our crew those days, you know, and everyone from like FKA Twig. So like, you know, a lot of my girl gang have gone on to do incredible, incredible, amazing amazing things um but it was hard because it was like because we were the first a lot of us were the firsts in our family we never really had that kind of knowledge wealth handed down to us or our mum and dad didn't have friends that worked at this magazine or anywhere to kind of give us that leg up you know or introduce us so a lot of us kind of just made the rules as we went along but obviously as you do get more and more into business you do realize that you do need those kind of you know spearheaded people who can really advise you on the best way to go and it's so funny because I started to find a lot of my first mentors originally at the British Library like the British Library for me was like a godsend because they have a business center there um they have incredible journeys where you can go and do all your market research they have everything there and that's kind of where my stepping stone was to kind of finding people that I could ask for real advice on business advice for you know, getting a lawyer, trademarking, like all the things that I needed to know that didn't, I never really couldn't rely on my peers to be able to give me that advice. So hence why I started TTYA Talks, because I was like, as I've gone through the industry, I've met more and more incredible women, you know, if it's from like Nishma Rob, who's like an incredible woman, who's like head of marketing at Google, you know, she came and gave her a TTYA Talks on tech or, you know, so I think, you know, as you meet, as you continue your journey, you start to meet more and more people who can give a hand in helping the next generation so hence why ttya talks was even started in the beginning because i wanted to give the net new gen and the equipment that i never necessarily had um available to me so you know as we continue to grow and we continue to flourish i'm hoping that you know the next step is you know for ttya to be able to go on to do a full fully fledged mentorship program now um which is the plan for october um fingers crossed we can make it happen but the plan is to you know now open TTYA talks into a mentorship program where we can actually physically place people with you know pioneers within the respective industries and give them the knowledge and the skills that they need i love that irene i just wanted to say that the british library is my friend i have a card and i've done all my market <laughs> research there you know i just really appreciate that you are doing what wasn't done for you and i think as women we need to start supporting each other so thank you Irene no thank you that's so nice thank you so much that's so kind I appreciate that Irene it has been a pleasure Ted Baker we love you thank you so much it's all over love you guys Mm -hmm.